Welcome to Truth Well Spoken, the official podcast for McCann Health, an opportunity to connect across disciplines, companies, and countries in our mutual pursuit of endless truth-seeking. I'm your guest host today, Natalie Mercer, and for this episode, I'm speaking with my good friend of almost 10 years and former colleague, Juliet Chan, to discuss egg-freezing mythbusters. So with that, welcome to the podcast, Juliet. Thanks for inviting me. Super excited to be here. I know you and I have been talking about egg freezing my entire journey, so excited to be here. My name is Julia, and I've worked in healthcare marketing for almost 10 years now, mainly in promotional marketing, and now I've switched over to market access. And I decided to go through egg freezing, I think it was in April 2023, so earlier this year, and I decided to document and share my journey on social media with my community, which had ignited a lot of conversations among my female friends who had done it or who were interested in doing it. That's amazing. And for our listeners, would you be able to tell us a little bit about what egg freezing is, what it entails, just to update people? Yeah. Egg freezing is essentially the process of stimulating egg growth for retrieval. Usually you have to inject yourself with hormones to stimulate that egg growth and multiple eggs, right? Usually women often have one egg that matures during their menstrual cycle. And so you are stimulating multiple eggs to mature at once. And then those eggs are retrieved from your body and cryopreserved a few hours later. So ultimately you can choose to use those eggs when you are ready to go through IVF. Wow. And we've also seen that in recent years, egg preservation and egg freezing, the process has moved from more medical necessity to elective. And many more women are choosing to freeze their eggs. In fact, there is some data that shows that the number of egg freezing cycles from 2021 rose by nearly 50% from 2020. So why do you think that is? Why are more women today in the U.S., in the world, freezing their eggs? I think there are multiple factors to that. One, I think it's definitely more accessible for women nowadays. I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. But I live in San Francisco, so I have a lot of friends who work for big tech companies and many large companies are covering the procedure and the medication that comes with it, or at least a portion of it. So I know that since more companies are covering it, more of my friends are opting in to move forward with that procedure just because it is normally so expensive. And so if their companies are able to cover for it, it's kind of like, why not go through with it since it is nice to have this option. I also think that it's being talked about more often than it has been over the last 10 years. You know, social media, I believe that there are a lot of influencers or celebrities who have been sharing and documenting their journey on social media. So I believe more women are seeing it and having those discussions of it being an option. I also think over the last several years, it's been easier for women to go through the egg freezing process because of remote or hybrid work. It gives women the flexibility because I don't even know how I would have been able to go through this process and go into the office every day. Yeah. So I want to take it back to the very beginning. And if you wouldn't mind talking us through your journey so we can begin to identify some of these myths and dispel them along the way. So 
before you even initiated the process, before your first appointment, when did you start exploring this? And really think about, as you and I both know, we're in the business of healthcare marketing and we always think about a patient journey or when it comes to the awareness, the education, the conversion, starting from that very early phase, what convinced you? So it all started with awareness. It was like several years ago, my old roommate actually went through the process herself and she went through it three times. So I lived with her throughout all those three processes. So I feel as though I was able to experience it through her lens and have intimate discussions with her about this option. So that's how I first started hearing about it. She went through it and I had two other girlfriends who decided to go through it as well. So I actually started having conversations with them first. It all started with like word of mouth and talking about it being option. Like what was the process like? Because I had no idea. And what were their financial options looking like? I think each of them had a different type of situation. One friend actually didn't have her company cover it. She just decided to do it on her own and pay for it out of pocket. So it first started with having discussions with my friends. And then I noticed it was actually pretty common among some of my friends in San Francisco, especially. Yeah. And once we started having those discussions, it really started convincing me that it would be a great option. However, back at that moment, my company didn't cover it. So I knew if my company wasn't able to cover it, I probably wouldn't want to go through with it unless I was a little older since I had recently turned 30 at the time. And I was told that mainly women who are in their 30s or like mid to late 30s should consider egg freezing and that I was still like, quote unquote, too young. So I was interested, thought it was a great option for me, but it wasn't until I got a new job and then I found out the company paid for 80% of it, which I was really excited about because I realized that the main barrier was the cost of it, for me at least. And so when I found out my company covered around 80% of it, I was like, I'm doing it 100% all in. And that's when I decided to do more research about it and then ultimately schedule an initial consultation. That's another myth that I wanted to bust because I feel like as women, we're not really taught about what to expect throughout our lifespan and the different milestones, not even milestones, but also what could happen with everything from how so many women have endometriosis or uterine fibroids and what about fertility rates? Is it true that women's fertility rates start dropping at 25? Like that's something that is not really talked about. Yeah. And also I will be quite frank. I obviously knew what a period is and what the menstrual cycle looks like, but I learned so much more about my body and about women's health and fertility once I went through this process. You know, you hear like, oh, if you are 35 years or older and you get pregnant, that's considered a geriatric pregnancy. There are issues that come with that. But I never really understood why that was. And honestly, it wasn't until my initial consultation when my fertility doctor gave me like a crash course on it. So I didn't know women are born with all of their eggs. And then like once we hit puberty and we start losing immature eggs or follicles, we lose those in every menstrual cycle. So the older we get, the less eggs we have. And apparently also after 25, like the quality of your eggs decreases as well. And that's why once you're in your late 30s, there are issues with fertility because higher rates of miscarriages. And I think that is because of the quality of eggs. That's what my fertility doctor told me. So 
there were a lot of things I did not know about. And honestly, once I had that conversation with my doctor, it made me even more sure that I wanted to do it now because I really want to have children, but I don't know when that will be. And I'm already 31. So I think I was just like freaked out that fertility rate definitely decreases once you hit a certain age and as you get older. And it scared me a little bit, to be quite frank. And it seems that there's also a misconception out there around this idea that it's an insurance policy. Would you be able to explain that to the listeners? Yeah. So my fertility doctor kept nailing this in my head that it should not be seen as an insurance policy. She was saying that we can go through this whole process of retrieving my eggs and freezing them, but there's no guarantee that they're all viable and you will not know until they're thawed and you need to use them. And so she was really trying to set expectations with me that although I am freezing my eggs right now, there's no guarantee that I'm going to be able to create an embryo and ultimately get pregnant with these eggs. I think it was mainly just to set expectations, which was good to know because it did. And Honestly, she was saying it depends on the number of eggs you retrieve, how old you are, and that gives you like a certain percentage chance that you would have one child and then there's another percentage chance that you would have two children or so forth. So based on her calculations, she retrieved 13 of my eggs and I was 30 at the time. So she told me I actually had a 96% chance of having one child based on our clinic's data only. I went to Spring Fertility, so she said just using their data pool, I would have a 96% chance of having one child, but that's still a probability, there's no guarantee. And a lot of people talk about egg freezing being a backup plan and an insurance policy, but it should be seen as like a lottery ticket almost, that there's a higher chance to have a child at a later age when you wanna use it, but there's no guarantee. That's great. I totally agree. And I think it's helpful to dispel that myth that it is a solidified insurance policy or a guarantee. But do you also feel that it made you feel less stressed or worried about the future? And how do you think that changed your perception on dating? I know, Juliet, this isn't something you and I prepped for, but I'm just going with the flow here. No, that's totally fine. So I don't regret going through it. I think I didn't even realize I had a huge weight off my shoulder. So we're going to get real here. I went through a breakup and then I was like, I'm going to freeze my eggs. Essentially, I'm 30 years old. I don't know when I'm going to want to have a family, but I know that if I'm 30, I'm probably not going to have kids until I'm in my mid 30s, late 30s. So I was stressed already. I personally know that I want to have children. I was sad. I was scared. I was freaking out a little bit as a control freak, someone who wanted to plan for the future. And so that's why I decided to also move forward with egg freezing. And once I had the procedure, I noticed a huge weight off my shoulders. Even the way I felt about my future and my views on dating, I was so scared about not finding a partner because I ultimately wanted children. I was like not finding a partner so I could have a family to have kids. And that was really making me nervous and it was stressing me out. But now that I know that I have a chance to have a child with or without a partner, that has made me feel relieved. You and I communicated throughout this process. I was on the phone with you one night and I could see just how afterwards you had this rejuvenated sense of self 
And I'm sure, Julia, it was also empowering for you to go through this process. Is that an emotion that you felt? Yeah, it was really empowering because my doctor validated all the feelings that I had where she was telling me, you are family planning. She kept using that terminology like you are going through family planning alone. That is scary, but also very brave. And she shifted that perspective for me. And I shifted that narrative in my head too, where I am doing what I can for my future and making decisions for myself, knowing what I want. And for me, I know I want children with or without a partner personally. That's my take. And when she told me that, that really helped me throughout the process because I felt really strong. Like it was scary to go through the injections by myself. And I wasn't by myself. I mean, I had my community, my friends, like you FaceTime me. It was really helpful to have that support network, but still scary to be going through a lot of these things on my own, like going to the doctor's appointments, going through that procedure by myself. I did feel empowered, especially because I was taking control over what I could for my future. That is extremely brave of you, not to mention how invasive that is as well. Let's talk about some of the challenges that you faced along your journey, whether it was financial, logistics, or emotional. What was something that you weren't expecting or something that you had to work through? I feel like I have a lot of thoughts on this. So <laughs> I'm going to go through just my journey. So the first thing was honestly emotional. You know, in the beginning, I was like, I'm going to go through with this. I know physically it's going to hurt, but I'll push myself through it. I got this. And I didn't really realize how much of an emotional toll it was going to have on me. In the beginning, when I had my initial consultation, she did a pelvic ultrasound to count how many follicles I had. And so your follicle count usually changes for every cycle. So she was telling me roughly you'll have around the same amount for when you do want to retrieve your eggs. And so at that time I had 16. The average for a woman in my age would be like 13 to 20. So I was like, great, that's perfect. That means I could potentially retrieve 16 eggs. And then when it was time to plan for when you're going to go through this process, because you have to plan to not work out, you have to plan to not travel. So we had a time frame in mind. And when it was time to start the procedure, she told me I only had 13 follicles at that moment. And even though there was a three follicle count difference, I cried. I was so sad that I had less follicle counts because I was like, that means less of a chance of having a baby. And I just cried after my appointment and I had to have a friend call me down. But it was just a shock to my system and it made me realize also how much I did want to have a kid and how scared I was that that might not be an option for me in my future. But I had the conversation with my doctor and she told me that like, you know, even though like that's still a good number, there are some women who have low follicle counts. So I have some friends who had that where they had less than 10 follicles. And so they just had to repeat the process a few times rather than do it at once. So if I was scared and nervous about retrieving less eggs, then I could do it again. So that made me feel better. But there was just an emotional toll of, I have no control over my body, but I still really want to have kids. And maybe I should just take a step back. So basically for each follicle, there will be an egg that grows in each follicle. So if you have like 13 follicles, you can potentially retrieve 13 eggs because in each follicle, the egg will grow. So once you inject yourself with the hormones, the egg will grow in each follicle. And once they are at a certain size, that's when they're retrieved. 
you said that there was a big emotional burden and toll as part of the process did they offer as part of the fertility clinic that you went to any type of emotional support whether it was a therapist or whether it was a nurse navigator you and i know how these are services that we often provide for people living with diseases and i know this isn't a disease but it is a health procedure and process so was there anything that was offered to you if it was i don't remember you know i feel like there were a lot of things that were said to me at the beginning of this journey but the people i talked to throughout the journey was just my doctor and my nurse throughout my egg freezing process i had to work with a few different groups so i had progeny which was my fertility benefit manager and they were the ones who handled billing and payment directly with the fertility clinic so i had to choose a fertility clinic from their list so i chose spring fertility because my friends all have been to spring and they highly recommended it so i communicated with spring fertility throughout the entire process and the nurses, the doctors were super empathetic, but the people who gave me like support throughout the journey were my friends and especially the ones who went through it. So I am very lucky that I knew a couple of close girlfriends who went through it and understood exactly what I was feeling when I was scared to inject myself when I didn't want to do it anymore. Like I would call them and they would talk me through it. So I personally was very lucky that I had friends who had gone through it, who were able to empathize with me and be able to connect with me on that level because they knew exactly what I was going through. That's awesome that you've had such a close-knit community and network, and I'm sure you're paving it forward. Even just the fact that you documented your process on social media and I know, you know, we both have friends and, and friends of friends who are starting to initiate the process as well. So it just makes it much more helpful to have people that you know of. And it's not just someone that you don't know online. So I will say I am very lucky that one of my closest friends and roommate went through this journey, not just once, but three times. And I was with her for her first injection and then she was there for my first injection. So that was a sweet moment. Having seen her go through it and not, you know, because I was her roommate, I saw her inject herself every day. I knew the emotional toll I had on her. I saw it firsthand. And because I was able to see that, I was able to prepare myself for when I wanted to freeze my eggs. But I know that's not the case for a lot of women. And that's why I wanted to share my journey because I knew how helpful it was to live with my roommate who had gone through it. It did help paint a picture of what the process would look like should I want to freeze my eggs. I honestly also wanted to educate my male friends about the process because I know it was a common topic of conversation among my girlfriends, but I wanted some of my male friends to understand the things that women think about, especially women our age, right, in our early, mid-30s, who are thinking about family planning on their own and what we go through in order to make sure we increase our chances of the potential of having children in our future. I wanted to make it less taboo to talk about egg freezing, and I wanted everyone to see what that process looks like because I documented me injecting myself every day. And honestly, I cried in a few of those videos because I did not want to do it since it was pretty painful. And then uh, apart from the emotional toll, we talked a little bit about this beforehand, but just the financial and the logistics. I mean, I know for me, I'm in a different situation. I'm in a relationship of two years, but 
even I am thinking about, okay, do I want to have kids now? I'm 32, but should I go through this process? I don't want to have kids tomorrow. Do I want to rush it? And I am also in somewhat of a rural area in North Carolina. And I did ask my OB about this and they said that there is a new fertility clinic where I'm at, but the closest one to do the egg retrieval is in Raleigh, which is about two hours away. So it means if I were to pursue this, it's an hour for me to go to my OB already and then having to go there multiple times a week. So I had to weigh the pros and cons. Also, I'm a baby. I'm scared of like pap smears and the dentist. So I think it's very much a personal decision and there are a lot of challenges. And if you can just touch on some of the access ones that, that you came across. I think ultimately you're right. It is a personal decision you have to make. And if it's worth it to you, right? I think that's every woman has to decide. I know personally, I want children. So it made going through all of the barriers worth it for me personally. And also the fertility clinic was like maybe a, a half hour walk from my apartment. So like 10 minute Uber drive, not even. And so it was really close to my apartment. So I was very lucky that I could sneak away or like tell my coworkers I have an hour appointment and I can go to the doctor so I can get my pelvic ultrasound to check on the growth of the eggs. I was also very lucky that I could just handle my injections in the morning at home before work and then after work. I knew that my company was going to cover 80% of it. When I first decided to initiate this process, I called the fertility benefit management company, Progeny. My company had an account with them. So I was able to chat with like a case manager and we were able to talk about the process and how to move forward. And so she told me the company would cover 80% of it and that they would handle billing directly with the fertility clinic. So all I had to do was just give them my insurance information. So I was like, great, don't have to worry about any of that. I just have to focus on just injecting myself and, and all of that physical aspect of it. It wasn't until two months later when I received my medical bills because I was actually wondering where they were. And <laughs> I finally received my bill and it was just really jarring because A, I didn't receive like one big bill. I received like multiple bills and it turned out I owed like almost $4,000. And Did you know you were going to be paying $4,000? They gave me a range of how much it would cost. So the reason for the range is obviously there's a set price for the procedure and like the consults with the doctor, but also depends on how much medication you get. So you have to pay for medication. And some of these pens are like $600 a pen, right? And so you have to order multiple pens or multiple syringes based on how much your doctor prescribes of the hormone. So your doctor gives you a dosage for your medication, then oftentimes you'll have to keep ordering your medication once you run low. And does that correlate with your follicle count? So if you have X amount of follicles, is it to your doctor's own discretion how much they're going to order, how much medication, how many pens you need, how many syringes? I don't believe so, but I do know that it depends on your egg growth. So essentially, the reason why you have to go into the doctor after you initiate the process is because they need to check your egg growth. They need to make sure that there is, I believe, there is a certain average, a range of how big your eggs should grow before it's considered mature and ready for retrieval. And so 
my eggs just took a little longer to grow than like the average. So I think after two weeks, my doctor was like, oh, we still need like a few more days. This one is perfect, but the others haven't grown quite large yet. So let's up the dosage. They changed my dosage based on my egg growth. That's why I had to go in multiple times a week, especially towards the end of the journey. And then I just have to keep ordering more medication based on that dosage. Did you tell your job? I told my old manager. Uh, so I had another manager at the time and I told him because I wanted him to just understand of like when I had to like step away. But that was it. I felt as though I was able to be flexible with my time or at least at that time. I feel as though I definitely should have taken some time off after the procedure. Mm. I was just very uncomfortable, very fatigued. But at that moment in time, I wanted to just power through. <laughs> that um, seems like you in general. For people who yeah. don't know, Juliet, she's ran multiple marathons. She's training for her, I don't know which one is this? Fourth. <laughs> Your fourth marathon in Chicago coming up. So I think it also is important to realize that our body needs to reset and rest. Yeah, it was a big process. It was a lot on my body physically, emotionally, and honestly, there was a lot of logistics I had to think about. So there was a lot on my mind as well. So for the month of April, this is all I thought about, all I focused on. I planned around it. Like I didn't really go out and do much socially because I knew I had to be home in a sterile environment to be sure to inject myself with my medication every evening. No alcohol, no exercise. Yeah, I believe my doctor was like, you can have like a glass of wine here and there. I just personally made the decision not to have any alcohol, even before the procedure, just for my own peace of mind. No exercise. You're not supposed to do any strenuous activity. You're not even supposed to do yoga. Like my doctor said I can do some stretching, but no like downward facing dog or any crazy twists. <laughs> yeah. I had to protect my ovaries, which were growing multiple eggs. And this is something your ovaries don't normally do. So think about it. Every month, a woman has one egg that matures, right? And so with this process, you are maturing more than a dozen eggs in your ovaries. That's a lot for your body. It's wild. Every month, your body's used to just maturing one. Yeah, exactly. And so at the end, I felt like I had a bunch of water balloons in my ovaries. Like I felt like I was going to pop. Oh. Um, it was very uncomfortable. That's another thing. The process is just uncomfortable in your body, like not just because of the ejections that you get. Normally, you inject yourself around your belly button, and that's the general area you have to inject yourself every day for like two weeks, right? It starts with injections every evening, but probably halfway through, my doctor gave me another hormone to take in the morning. And those hormones are really to help the eggs grow, but to control the egg growth in your ovaries. So that way, by the end of like the two week mark, they're at the right size for retrieval. So you're supposed to inject yourself in the same region twice a day for like the span of two weeks. That area just gets really tender. It's very painful. So you're uncomfortable there. You feel bloated. You're tired and you can't exercise. So it's just a lot on the mind and on the body. I have one more question to take us home. But before that, I just want to say thank you so much for being so open and honest with me and 
I can tell you there's some of my own coworkers also who've asked about this and wanting to have conversations. So I'm sure that this will get a lot of listens and views. And I think it's super relevant for today. I felt like I turned 30 and everyone in my circle was freezing their eggs and it was so scary. And you're destigmatizing it. You're making it more attainable and providing that support that people can have. Yeah. Thank you. I wanted to just make sure that there was no shame. Actually, now that you said the word destigmatize, the word shame came to mind. And I honestly felt embarrassed and ashamed at first that I'm 30 and I have to go through this process because I don't know if I'm going to have a partner in the future to have children. And I felt a little bit ashamed that I have to go through this. But throughout the process, I definitely felt more empowered. And once I shared my story on social, I had a few girlfriends who messaged me like, oh my God, I went through that like last year. And like, I was like, why? I had no idea. So it was pretty interesting that once I shared my story, not only did I know it was helpful for some of my friends considering it, but also I had a lot of friends who told me they went through it too. And it was another layer of connection with my friendship circle. I think it's a great option that is becoming more accessible to some women, not all. I know that obviously like a lot of large tech companies are able to cover it, but there are women in other professions who don't have the same luxury. And it does cost like $12,000, which does put a dent in the savings, right? And so I know that there's still some work to be done there, but it's pretty great that we have access to this now more than ever. And that like you said, Natalie, like your friend circles, a lot of women are freezing their eggs. Like it's actually pretty common now amongst women our age where it wasn't. My mom told me this is something unheard of. It was never a thing when she was younger, you know? Yeah. So to bring us home, what would you say to someone who was considering egg freezing if you had to give them one piece of advice from your experience? You're not alone and there's no shame. I'm coming from the perspective of I did it by myself. And I know there are women who are considered, like you said, Natalie, you're considering doing it even though you do have a partner. But maybe it's just don't be ashamed and that you are not alone. Don't hesitate to ask questions. This is such a big process with so many nuances that's really important to ask not only your doctor the questions, but ask any benefit management company just like questions about finances and access and how that process will work. Like, make sure you have all the answers you need to make the decision that's right for you because it is a big decision is invasive not just physically but emotionally and mentally so make sure you have all the answers you need to make the right decision for you thank you so much juliet for joining today and having this conversation with us that's all we've got for today you can subscribe to truth well spoken on your podcast network of choice and let us know what you'd like to hear in a future episode by emailing podcast at mccannhealth.com our podcast producers are kendall coletti dina ragap jay brinkowski dina rao natalie mercer griffin campbell and melissa kuzinski until next time i'm natalie mercer and this has been truth well spoken mm-hmm.